This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are talking about Santa Claus. So if you listen to this podcast with small people and you would prefer maybe a conversation about Santa Claus, is not the most appropriate for their listening. You might want to listen to this privately. Uh, we are also going to be uh, talking about a historically accurate Christmas story. Dun, dun, dun. And we are hearing for our wild card section, uh, we're hearing from our friend uh, Anna Hawkins. She's going to be talking about the importance of our stories. So uh, as we begin, uh, let us start with Santa. Warning, warning, warning. <laughs> this is your five second warning to uh, clear the room of anybody. Right. Santa. So we have had multiple times on this podcast the question of doing Santa Claus with our kids. Is it a thing that uh, Christians should be doing? How do we, you know, handle it? How do we talk about it? And I, true to form, am not really going to tell you what to do about Santa Claus. But what I thought was really interesting around this whole Santa con- concept, whether or not you choose to play the Santa game with your kids, is that this opens up a really interesting opportunity to talk about the character of God. So wherever you land on Santa is completely up to you and your family. But I would love to highlight to you in this just little moment of wherever you land on it, there are some great conversations about God that um, the concept of Santa opens up. Because uh, in Parenting for Faith, we often talk about unwinding wrong views of God. And our children, as do we put together their view of God from their experiences, from movies, from what we tell them, from what the Bible tells them, from what church tells them, and they they mush all of life together into a view of how they view God. And I find that this Santa um, opening gives us a really interesting opportunity to open up how we see God, because we tend to compare God to people that we know to sort of understand. So for some people, you know, God is like their father, their earthly father. They sort of, you know, they tend to compare God to the father that they have or don't have. Uh, Sometimes we think, oh, God's like my mom and that he's really wise. And, And we sort of see God through the lens of people we're in relationship with. And Santa opens up a really interesting opportunity to say, um, hey, here's Santa. It's really interesting. How is God and Santa similar, and what are the differences? Because I think what happens sometimes to our children is that they conflate the two. They tend to um, take the two different views of Santa and the view of God, and sometimes they mix them, and they therefore influence how our children see it. For instance, the song Santa Claus is Coming to Town (laughs) has in some interesting concepts about Santa. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Well, I have to say that quite a lot of children think the exact same thing about God, that he can see you at all times, that he is watching your behavior, and he is judging your behavior. And so that can lead to children thinking that God then deals with us the way 
that the world says Santa deals with us. And that can be helpful and that can be unhelpful. Uh, sometimes when you think about it, the Santa is described as being omnipresent. He can be, you know, around the world all in one day. Uh, omniscient, he, you know, knows everything about you. Uh, he is miraculous. He loves you. He gives good gifts. He is jolly and delightful. He has helpers that uh, also put into plan his miraculous actions. He has elves. God has angels. Uh, sometimes you can see how kids get confused and how their view of one thing um, influences how they view the other. And so you can have some really interesting, how are they the similar, how are they different conversations uh, that really strain out an interesting concept of God. For instance, you can say, you can talk about the difference between how Santa sort of, um, when we talk about Santa, whether you, if you do not use the Santa thing at all, that is fine. You can say, you know, in all of these movies that we watch about Santa and the, the way the world plays the Santa game, they say that, um, you know, Santa's watching and then if you're good, then he gives you good things. And if you're bad, then he gives you bad things. And that's, that's sort of the way that the Santa game works. But... Is God like that? Does God look at our behavior and give good things to people who do good things and bad things to people who do bad things? Is that how God works? And then you're into a really interesting conversation. Um, or maybe it's about how, you know, actually God doesn't give us what we deserve, but what his son deserves. And then you're into sin and grace. Uh, other conversations you can have about God are um, about how, you know, Santa really is his whole concept of, of Santa is that he's watching and judging you from the outside where God is a part of, of knowing your heart and walking with you in relationship, which is different. Other differences between Santa and God, uh, Santa doesn't want to be seen and known. Uh, so many of the Christmas movies are about Santa like trying to hide and not be seen. And actually God wants to be known and seen and he sent Jesus so that we could know him better. And that's all about getting to know him uh, not about what we can get from him. Uh, other things that uh, you can compare uh, and have interesting conversations about is um, how Santa, um, the, the the game of Santa sometimes is about how um, Santa, you know, gives us gifts to make us happy. You know, it's all about the gifts so that he can make children around the world happy. But God's plan for our lives is not simply to make us happy, but to take us on a life of adventure and discovery and transformation to become more like God. That's all whole different concept but children can sometimes get confused and think that you know god is there to make them happy and when they're not happy then god is failing them uh what other things um santa gives you gifts once year round but god has said that there are so many gifts that he constantly is wanting to give and have available to you uh, you could go down just having those interesting conversations as you drive around or if you want to use movies to jump off and have interesting conversations, oh, there are some really fun movies that you probably may watch around Christmas that opens up some interesting conversations to begin to unwind as well. Like one of my favorite Christmas movies is called Fred Claus. I love it. Uh, it's basically about um, Santa's brother who thinks that Santa uh, is wrong for punishing children who are bad because... Um, because sometimes children are misbehaving because they're hurt or they're in pain or their parents are dead and they're just working out their emotions. And so therefore, Santa should give good things to everybody because all children deserve to be loved. 
That's the sort of takeaway point. Um, But that opens up a really interesting conversation, if you want to, about is God like that? Are are people inherently naughty or nice? Uh, Should God just um, look at people's behavior? Does he just look at people's behavior? Um, Where does God's justice fit in? Should God just be like, oh, everybody sins and it's fine because I love you? Like, where does, how does God engage with it? Is it about our identity? Is it about what we behave like? How does God view us and see us? I mean, that's a whole interesting conversation. Uh, What other things? Oh, Polar Express. If you've seen Polar Express, it's all about um, a child who doesn't believe in Santa or is on the verge of giving up his belief in Santa. And then he gets taken on a magical train to the North Pole to see Santa so that he may be a true believer. And it's constantly about belief, 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 belief. You have to believe in Santa and be a true believer. And that opens up some really interesting conversations about what does it mean to believe in Jesus? And what does it mean to have faith? Um, in the movie, it's all about, you know, you have to believe, you know, you may never see Santa, but you have to believe in him. And that's when the magic happens. But is that, is that really what God is saying? On one hand, scripture says, you know, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. On the other hand, God is a tangible, real, involved in our lives being that you can look back in your life and say, this is when God encouraged me. This is when God spoke. This is when God moved. And this is when God rescued me. And that you can you can put your feet on the testimony of yourself and the people around you to say, God is real and I believe it and know it, not just because it's a thing I have in my head, but because it's a life I have lived. And what is the essence of faith and belief? You have all of that stuff. I mean, if you want to go old school, you can go down that it's a wonderful life. And well, this doesn't have to do with Santa, but I just love it's a wonderful life. But I found that whole thing about it's a wonderful life. It's a movie about a guy who gets sad and feels like his life is pointless. So wants to die. I know it's so cheery. And, uh, and an angel shows him what everybody's life would be like had he not existed. And, uh, and, you know, he sees that he actually had a massive impact on people's life. But I always found it interesting in that movie that we never see God's perspective of God's heart for George Bailey and how God felt about his choices. And that's a whole nother conversation you can have around that. There is, there's so much I just wanted to highlight to you, (laughs) whether you are watching Paw Patrol's Christmas special, or you are watching a BBC panto, or whether you are watching a classic Christmas movie around this, wherever you land on doing the Santa game with your kids. I just wanted to highlight that there is really fascinating conversations about the character of God and how our kids have mixed uh, often how we talk about Santa and just the stories that are out there, the Christmas stories that are out there and the Christmas values that are out there around the Santa story and how that may influence how we view God. And it can be a great jumping off point into having interesting conversations and laying foundations for seeing God. Uh, and his character in this season. So, I don't know. It was just a thought. A thought for today. And the question we are uh, looking at today, please do send in your questions to the Facebook page. Uh, You know, you can message us through there. You can go to the web page, parentingforfaith.org, and contact us through there and let us know your questions for the podcast we'd love to answer them uh, today i we got we had in a question that was that was all around is it important to 
make sure that the story, the the nativity story that we're telling our children is is historically accurate. And I found that a really interesting question. Um, cards on the table. I love biblical culture and uh, biblical backgrounds and geography and cultural contexts and all sorts. So if you've ever been my intern, you will have been forced to not only hear me teaching like a 36-week course on it, but also I take you to the British Museum and we do a whole biblical backgrounds, biblical history tour and stuff. So I am biased on this one. You always feel free to disagree with me. Uh, But in this question, I wanted to highlight that there's sort of a difference between the sort of pedantic, biblically accurate stuff that sometimes people like me get trapped in. Uh, Things like, you know, there's technically no donkey mentioned in the biblical account. Like, come on now. (laughs) And so, like I do on a bad day, get annoyed at the song Little Donkey because I'm like, that is not biblically accurate. Does that impact the biblical narrative and the whole point of the nativity? No, but sometimes people like us get a bit pedantic. So for me, if you're talking about those things, you know, is there a donkey, is there not a donkey? Uh, I don't think it's, you know, that, that huge. Uh, There are other things that people like me really care about, like, um, like the angels that sang to the shepherds technically in the biblical text are warrior angels. They're not choir angels. Like to me, that's important, but <laughs> I know to not everybody it is. And that's okay. You know, technically it didn't happen in December, folks. The, the shepherds would not have been outside. Uh, so there are people like like me who care about those things. And that can just be a personality thing. And sometimes it's nice to know, but I wouldn't worry about it when it comes to dealing with our kids. But I do think sometimes there are these historically accurate um, things that deeply um, matter in terms of our interpretation of what the nativity story and the nativity experience was about that I do think is important. And I think that sometimes means that we can feel like, oh, no, well, I don't know enough about that stuff, so therefore I I shouldn't even wade into it. And I I think it, it actually is a really joyful exploration, and it models to our kids that my understanding of scripture today may be different than my understanding of scripture tomorrow and next week because I am always learning and God is always showing me new things and people who think about this stuff deeply will teach me new things and I can change my mind and grow and understand the Bible in new ways and that is a beautiful thing so you know there's been you know recent blogs this year um pulling out Kenneth Bailey's book about, you know, seeing Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes about Mary and Joseph in the, in the stable. And, you know, historically in the church, we have sort of seen Mary and Jesus giving birth in a cave or giving birth in a, in a, in a barn, (laughs) essentially. And uh, Kenneth Bailey highlights that actually, you know, the, the words that are used in scripture isn't an inn like a hotel, but actually the the main family room, the guest room, the room where people stayed in a home. And so Mary and Joseph actually were going to a family home and they stayed inside a family home um, with other people. Uh, they would not have been giving birth, you know, away from other people, but uh, there would be other women attending. There would, you know, possibly be a community wi- midwife there. You know, Jesus was born into a family in the same way that every other child is born into a family and uh, surrounded by those around them. And it may have been a crowded, but quite public 
experience of uh, of of Mary and Joseph being part and in, inside uh, a home that of people they were related to. And that that does kind of make a huge difference in how we read the story and what we talk about and what we preach about. Um, you know, for instance, other things like the shepherds who were shepherds in Bethlehem were the shepherds for the temple sheep, the sheep that were sacrificed for our sins that was who they were overlooking so when the angels came and announced that there was was this birth they were being announced to the people who looked after the future sacrifices for the sins of the people that's beautiful and wonderful and there are those things but it's it's really helpful to know but that doesn't mean you have to know everything. I, I recently just have gone on this journey of understanding how long the wise men took to walk all the way there and when they would have arrived, which means that Mary and Joseph would have lived in Bethlehem for, you know, up to a year, up to two years uh, before they, you know, the wise men showed up and before they had to flee to Egypt, which means that they were friends with the babies who were murdered by Herod. And they were part of a community of, of people who... I don't know. I'm still learning <laughs> and I'm still thinking and I'm still pondering and I'm still in the middle of it. And you may disagree. You may know different bits of information. You may, you may be on your own journey of understanding that bits. And that's the joy of the nativity story is that we look at scripture. We listen to people who study these things. We put all that together and we ponder the mystery of God and all of it as we continue to grow in our understanding and that's a wonderful thing for our kids to see. For us to say, I was listening to this thing, and I'm not sure I agree with this. Uh, I'm going to do some more reading on this. Or I just learned something new about this. And I'm really fascinated. I, I, I think that makes me see it in a different way. And to have these conversations and to show our kids that a, a journey of a life with God is a journey of learning and growing and getting things wrong and of of going back to scripture to find out and to thinking about how that impacts how I view God and what he did for us. So is it is it important to tick all the boxes and get everything right and to hold yourself back till you know everything? No, it's important to model to your kids that we all are constantly on a journey of learning and everything we learn that shows us new things about God is a beautiful and wonderful thing. So uh, go on an, an enjoyment journey of it is my encouragement to you. So I wanted to share with you something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago. Um, I turned up on a Saturday morning for my normal Pilates class and the time came for the class to start and the instructor didn't turn up. And we all waited a bit longer, went and asked at the reception. Anyway, about 10-15 minutes in it becomes pretty clear that um, the instructor's not going to turn up. So everyone starts packing their stuff up and uh, get ready to leave. And as we were doing that, one woman, uh, the bravest lady there, I guess, um, said, wait a minute, if I go home now, I'm just going to sit and eat cake. And I was actually quite impressed that I managed to get myself out here on a Saturday morning and uh, was looking forward to how I'd feel afterwards. Do you think we could give it a go? Um, and so a few people stopped and, and looked at her. And uh, she explained a bit more. She said, I know none of us uh, are Pilates instructor, Pilates in t teacher, um, but I think probably all of us could think of one exercise that's helped us um, or remember a little bit of something that we've been taught and share it with each other. So a few more nods, people uh, starting to 
think this might be a good idea, start putting their mats and things back out. She said, right, I'll start. Um, here's the thing that I can remember. I'm going to do one thing, uh, and then if you want to, you guys can join in. If you want to do your own version, that's fine. And then when I finish, someone else is going to go. And, you know, we carried on for an entire hour like that, because every time someone stopped, it prompted an idea or a thought in someone else, reminded them of something they'd done. People introduced ideas from different classes that they'd been to, and... Um, also shared a few personal things. People got chatting in a way that they hadn't before. Uh, there was lots of laughter. It was very relaxed. Um, some people started something and then said, oh no, I don't think that's quite right. Um, can someone help me out? And it was just a really great way of a community coming together and making something happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Now, I'm not specifically suggesting that. I think we probably weren't insured to do it and uh, we hurt a lot the next day. So maybe um, don't follow that in an exercise example. But it got me thinking about how we as parents don't feel like we have a lot to offer to the other parents and the people around us. I don't know about you, but I just feel like I am muddling along. Uh, you're kind of getting through each day. Uh, you have some wins, you have lots of loses, you have a lot of kind of nothingness in between. But I certainly don't feel like I'm in a position to share about Parenting for Faith or my own spiritual journey or how I'm helping my children. Um, and bear in mind, I do this for a job, so um, uh, it, that's fine if you feel like that too. Um, but it just got me thinking about how if we could have the boldness and the courage to get together and say hey, here's a little bit of my story, or I'll share a little bit of what I know, or something I've tried, or something that hasn't worked for me. Maybe you could share something else. So there are loads of ways you could do this. You can do it in person. You can organise going to a pub, or having lunch, or a picnic after church, or a breakfast, or a coffee. All my suggestions seem to involve food. It doesn't have to involve food. Um, go for a walk, something like that. You could do it online, um, whether that's meeting up on Skype or Zoom or through social media. There's loads of different ways to do that. But could you get together with some other parents and carers and say, hey, where are you up to? What have you got to share? I'll share my little bit and maybe you can share something as well. Um, the Kitchen Table Project have a resource called Inspire, which is um, an evening, just a one-off evening of getting people together and chatting about some of this stuff. And we have loads of resources on our website. So you could gather people together for our monthly bedtime drinks, maybe just say, do you want to come over to my house? We'll watch it and chat about it afterwards. Uh, or do that online, you don't have to do that in person. Or maybe watch one of the Parenting for Faith videos, listen to a podcast, something like that. Um, but there's just so many ways that we can share stories that help other people. And in Rachel Turner's book, It Takes a Church to Raise a Parent, um, she talks a little bit more about this in chapter three. She talks about how powerful stories are and how they help other people, um, particularly stories that convey trying, because just like the rest of parenting, it's very much a mixed bag, isn't it? Parenting for faith. There's joy, there's struggles, there's comedy moments, there's disappointments. Um, and it really relaxes people if they can laugh and feel like they don't have to be perfect. So if you've got a story of trying, whatever the outcome, go for it. Rachel's got a brilliant one on our website called The Triumph of the Try. Do look that up if you haven't already. Um, share stories of the up and down journey. 
um, that helps people to feel like they can be honest and that they don't just have to share successes. Um, share stories to laugh about, share stories that have taboo, awkwardness, um, encourage people, wh whatever they have to say. Perhaps you could share a story that reflects um, your family. You might not have a uh, your family might look different to some others and that's great because it all adds to kind of the breadth and depth of what people like they can sh feel like they can share um, and particularly share any stories of children or teenagers connecting with God because this really inspires people of what's possible and um, I think sometimes if people haven't seen children or teenagers really connect with God before or they haven't seen them do it in a specific way that as you share those stories it really opens up their mind and gives them new ideas um, and just inspires people with what real faith in children can look like. Um, these stories remove the fear of failure and they just encourage parents to give it a go and to come together as a community. So yeah, based on an instructor not turning up for Pilates, I just wanted to say have a go, share whatever you have, whatever you know, whatever you're trying, whatever is not working. Um, be bold and get together with one or two or many others and just say, hey, I'll share a little bit of where I'm at. Maybe you could share something um, of where you're at too. Enjoy. And a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid this week. Well, it could be any of the thousands that I offered you in the first section but you might want to start with how is god not like santa claus might get you a jump in uh to a conversation but pick anything and start an interesting conversation with your kids thank you for downloading the parenting for faith podcast a new episode will be released next week, and why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.